No, I'm sorry. We're not we're not quite done yet. Sorry guys. But I like Everybody, welcome to the inaugural episode of Tea Time with the Queen. It is your host, Queen Tay. And I'm joined by my cast of bandits. To my bottom, bottom, it's the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado. Say hello, Pete. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the most elegant episode. The most. The most. And to my bottom left, it is the second place loser of the NFL year pick five, BK Matt. I hate you, <laughs> Why do you hate me? I didn't do nothing. And to my left, it is the co host with the most, my partner in crime. Hello, Pete. Where did you go? What, what what's going on? Oh, I'm right here. I got. I'll, I'll be right back. There's no turning off the cameras unless I said so. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> You're gonna be you rude to Dre. I was introducing you him. Right, y'all don't. I, I don't leave when I'm introducing y'all. Exactly. <laughs> My co-hostess with the mostest, the best admin around, Big Baby. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for for of having course, me on your on course, your show. Like I, this is this is such an honor for me to be here. And then looking at Matt's face while all of this is happening, I can't wait. I, this I can't is wait. This Do you is want? Gonna... Wait, I'm sorry. You're in the wrong spot. Oh, my bad. My fault. Hey! You're the wrong you spot. My bad. I'm tripping. It's all good. It's all good. So this kicks off the inaugural episode of Tavius Tea Time. So in exchange for not having the guys dress up. Dre so graciously agreed to allow me to host this once a month. Mm -hmm. So a little bit about Tavius Tea Time. We're going to be talking sports culture. We're going to be talking pop culture. We're going to be talking relationships. And we're going to play a game. All right. All right. I hate you, Pete. I hate you. What do you want to do? (laughs) So our first segment kind of recaps, right? Mm-hmm. Why did Matt accuse me of cheating when he didn't accuse Dre or Pete of cheating? I kind of want to spend a quick second instead of quick hits, quick tips. I mean, so, he's blaming me, so he might as well be blaming you, yeah. accusing me of cheating as well. But Matt, I've heard on various different occasions in chat and during the episodes that mm-hmm. you accused me of cheating. Is that like a sexist thing? Is it because I'm a woman? I mean, because I've never heard you say that Dre cheated or Pete cheated or you cheated. I just want to know. This is a setup. I swear, this is a setup. Okay. All right. This is what we're doing. All right. So I got to answer this, right? Okay. To be yeah, fair, I did not know any of the questions. <laughs> I did, I, I, it's coming by surprise too, but it's not about me. It's about you, I Matt. I don't know. <laughs> I hate you, Pete. Um. um all right. I don't necessarily think that you 
cheated, cheated. I just the felt word like you knew necessarily you had still implies that you think I cheated. So can we rephrase that? Thank you. You took advantage of I the lead that you had. Dre, Dre, get him off my screen. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so today we'll be discussing a couple of nice topics, right? Mm -hmm. So firstly, I want to know from Pete, right? Mm -hmm. Why do you like the Bronx and why are you wrong? Well, first of all, I like the Bronx because I was raised in the Bronx. I was actually born. Oddly Get him off my screen. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> oh it's gonna be like this. It's gonna be like this all day. If they say things that I don't want to hear, you know. You just gonna remove them? Yeah. So as we both know, this is the last <coughs> weekend of Women's History Month. And yes. I feel as if, you know, we need to spend a second shouting out all the women on the Java Tears Network. Absolutely. Absolutely. So first, I'd like to start off with giving a big, huge shout out to the co-host and moderator of the Jabba Tears podcast, Janelle. Janelle from HR. Yes. You are an inspiration. You are one of the hardest working women I know. I am in awe of your strength, and I am so proud to call you one of my sisters. Most right? definitely. Most definitely. And to Amanda, co-host of Sasson Talk, the love of Big Baby's life. For sure, for sure. One of the best. I want to say, I was just a, a, a guest on their podcast a couple of weeks ago, and it was one of the best experiences I ever had. And I thank Amanda for always being kind, always checking in on me, no matter what's going on. And she's so sweet, so beautiful, so amazing. And she doesn't get the flowers that she always deserves, so I'm giving her the flowers today. You're getting roses, too. Most definitely. And to Shantice. Matt's favorite. Matt favorite, my co-host, my, my tag team partner in the world-renowned group, Chante. I haven't met you in person yet, but you you run a really dope podcast, and I'm really, really, really honored and humbled to be a part of the network with you. You can bring them back in now. All right. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to glorify Shanties, and I got to sit here and watch it. That's what this is about. Okay. We don't have time for that negativity. This is women's history month. But you mentioned Shanties that is negative. Okay, so apart, so I want to ask the guys a quick question since this is what this is women's history month, right? Mm -hmm. Besides Serena Williams, we've given we give Serena Williams her flowers all the time. She's much deserved. We know she's one of the greatest athletes of all time, right? Mm -hmm. What other female athletes would you say are big inspirations to you? Tom Brady. Get him off my screen. I no, gave him a Matt. Um, it's Matt a tie between Cheryl Miller and Epiphany Prince. Matt is sweating right now. <laughs> I'm not sweating. I'm not sweating. Uh, these these are two women that you would say that you would want your daughters to kind of look up to as far as if they wanted to, Definitely. you know, pursue a career in in sports, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh, I gotta explain or no? Yeah, what do you mean? It's just I, you gotta put it out quick. 
All right. Well, Sarah Miller, because in her era, she was pretty much the only well-known female ball player, and she played at such a high level. She just didn't have the WNBA to like the show showcase everything that she was, you know, capable of. Oh, I hate you, Maurice. Really, really, Maurice. Really. Shout out anyway. to Maurice. Happy Saturday, brother. <laughs> but yeah, because Sarah Miller was a really, really great basketball player. She was probably like the Michael Jordan of women's basketball. And she didn't necessarily get all the flowers that, you know, she deserved because it wasn't really highlighted mm -hmm. around that time. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give her her flowers because I know what – I know I saw her play. I saw her play in the Olympics. I saw all of that. Epiphany Prince, I actually got to see when she was in Bertram. Granted, I, you know, I was with South Shore and everything, but, you know, we spent summers with them, you know, and um, and No Limit. That was the AAU that um, Coach Anwar was running with, um, yep. Munch and Apache. Yep. Yep. So I got to be a part of that, and I got to see a lot of these great, you know, women ball players come That's up cool. and then get to the level that they're at now, like, you know, like a Tina Charles, who, who you now see. You know, so it's like to I heard somebody had is, to laugh somewhere. No, my grandmother oh. was working back there. Sorry. Oh. So <laughs> that yeah, wasn't her laughing. Like, that wasn't her laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to see Piff do all that she did, you know, in that in that run, like that four them four years that she was in Bertram, you know, like the scoring of 113 points and just like the calmness that she had when she played, it was just. It was like watching Kobe in female form. It was it was it was amazing to watch it on a day in and day out basis. So yeah, those two. For sure. You can bring Pete back. I hope he behaves himself. <laughs> All those people who you put in the in the chat don't count. So please <laughs> you gonna tell me that Monica Wright from Love and Basketball ain't a ain't an influential female athlete. That movie is she risked it all. That, okay, that, for a one on one game for love. That she lost. That she lost. She still Becky, got him though. Becky the ice box. She was more important in her career. Well, technically, uh, that movie toxic. <laughs> that movie. Is I still like the movie though. I still like the movie though. Let me tell you something. When I was younger, I loved that movie. And then as I watched it as I got older, I'm like, this is this is low key, high key toxic. But go ahead, Pete. <laughs> you know, uh, we want to talk about Gabrielle Union's uh, head cheerleader. Uh, Becky Icebox O'Shea, um, Jess oh, Bonham. She's not taking it seriously today. Um, from Bend It Like Beckham. Mm. Um, no, I mean, oh, and, and you know, I'm not gonna mention the first one. Oh, Julie the Cat Gaffney from the you Mighty Ducks. A mockery of women's history, Mom. Well, no, no, these are these, no. I would, I, you know, I would like to say though. Here's what's interesting though about women's history, Mom. We're talking about women's athletes. I would say that there have been some better depictions of strong female athletes sometimes in media in terms of movies than they have been actually covered by sports media you know we we speak about we speak about the serena williams we speak about you know epiphany prince we speak about you know the women of the wnba but what's very interesting is like sports media always wants to cherry pick who they cover as a top female athlete when there's a lot of great female athletes that never get the roses they should get but you see Characters like Julie Gaffney in Mighty Ducks 2, uh, Monica Wright in, oh, in Love and Basketball, Be game. Uh, Becky, uh, <laughs> um, Becky O'Shea in Little Giants, and Jess Bomra and Bend It Like Beckham, mm -hmm. who were like 
the major female, strong female athletic characters. Even let's go far as talking about uh, there was there was actually a, a a television show on Fox. I think it was called Pitch mm-hmm. that actually. That was a good show. That was a good it show. It was a real good show. first ever female Major League Baseball pitcher, and that show got canceled because apparently it did not have enough eyes watching it. Why? Because people don't think females can do it, but yet we see it all the time, uh, these depictions of great female athletes. Um, when we talk about female athletes that really do inspire me, I actually want to get a little bit off the athletic track of on-the-court kind of stuff, and somebody that always um, – um, inspired me was Pat Summit. No, Pat Summit, the legendary coach of the Tennessee Lady Volunteers. Yeah. Uh, Pat Summit always inspired me, mostly because I knew that my career in sports would not be as an athlete, even though I played sports in high school and college. I knew that my career in sports would never be on the court or on the field. Um, but what Pat Summit did. You know, um, and what many of these coaches have done in female athletics, these uh, female coaches have done, especially people like Pat Summit, have always made me think, I wonder what would happen if the doors opened in mainstream male sports to having female head coaches. Because I always thought Pat Summit could walk into any men's college locker room and there ain't not one male college athlete that could disrespect what Pat Summit brings to that locker room. A hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And actually, no, Mac, I did not. I just slicked it back. It's just not blonde, but you got a haircut. Nah. I, I think for me, uh, my athlete uh, is I always um, I love Candace Parker, um, but Maya Moore has moved up ahead <clears throat> for me with all her social justice work that she's been doing, and she mm-hmm. literally sacri- sacrificed her WNBA career to help get a man out of jail that she is currently married to now. Um, but even before that, she's been working super crazy on social justice. And I think for me, um, if I, if I'm blessed enough to have a daughter, I want my, my, my daughter to know that yes, you can be an athlete, but being a basic human being first is more important than being an athlete. Sure. So, we mentioned names like um, Matt Madden, um talking about um, Gabby Douglas, Simone Biles, names like that. A lot of unsung heroes that's not spoke up at the top of the list, um, like uh, something major is happening. But you know, both yeah, those two women had to go through. You know, they go had to go through racial bias, even in the current generation, because they they're the black gymnast. Uh, you know, you talk and you talk about someone like Lolo Jones, right? Right. Who was making it big in track and field? Um, I went. I was l- lucky and blessed enough to go to high school with uh, Natasha Hastings, who's mm-hmm. been at the Olympics. Um, and I remember when she was a track star in high school. And to see and to see somebody come out of you know you know it's it's always rare because we always hear the stories of like those athletes that come up and make it big, but to actually have you know inhabited the same space as mm-hmm. that person, to actually say like I went to school with an actual Olympian. Um, it is really is really freaking awesome, and we're not talking about somebody who lived in the suburbs, who had access to all this private stuff and private training, um, and stuff like that. And of course, we do that, right? These are women who don't get their flowers because we weren't really giving them the coverage that they deserve um, at that time. 
you know, and I even want to talk because you talked about Gabby Douglas, Simone Biles. I want to talk about like Lori Hernandez, you know, who, who does an incredible job or Caitlin Ohashi, who everybody was, you know, putting her videos all over social media last year and the year before that and YouTube. And for those who don't know who Caitlin Ohashi is, she was the young athlete uh, who was doing a lot of her gymnastics floor routines, the Michael Jackson music and things like that. You know, these are young women of color. And in Lori Hernandez's uh, case, a Latina, Puerto Rican from New Jersey, you know, who were really coming up and, and really, you know, putting themselves on the national stage, regardless of the covers that they were giving. And to think about, you know, remember, it was only, two, I think, two, one or two years ago, please someone correct me if I'm wrong on the timeline, that United States Olympics gymnastics had the huge sexual abuse scandal, right? Um, and, and to think what a lot of these young female athletes have to go through and have had to go through just for the idea of living out their dream, the, the atrocities that these young female gymnastics athletes had to go through, right. Um, just to be told by men who were running things, you're good enough or you can do it, you know, and, and you can only imagine. And, and I wish it's not, I hope it's not true. You can only imagine what has possibly happened in other sports with male gatekeepers to female athletics. Um, and it's, and it's, it's terrible to think about what these women have to go through in order to be considered good enough or to be considered profitable enough. Mm -hmm. um, and we spoke about a couple of, well, about 10 or so episodes ago, one of my first episodes on your sports show about the, the pay inequity already. And last week we spoke about the, the inequity with the NCAA. You know, it, it's, it's really heartbreaking to realize how much harder women have to work to get half the coverage that male athletes do in sports in our country. And yet, and yet we want these women to still perform at such a level where we can hold them on this pedestal uh, as we do with male athletes, yet they have to do double, triple, sometimes four times the work mm -hmm. to even get recognized. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was amazing, guys. Um, and like like uh, Matt was asking, you know, you have women like Flojo. You have women like Jackie Joanna Kersey. You have women who are completely, completely unsung. And I feel as if not only just women of color, just look at what Megan Rapinoe is doing on the larger scale. You know, fighting for that equality, fighting for that 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 space, and I feel like I am in total alignment with what Peter's saying. That you know, women have to work twice as hard to get half as much. That's something that's ingrained into us in all aspects of life from young. You know, as a mother to a daughter, and as I know that Matt has two beautiful little girls too. You know, what I'm saying it's a shame that we have to ingrain that type of mentality into our children. I'm still at this generation, but um. Let's get to the fun stuff. Um, right. Thank you, guys. Let's get to the fun stuff. <clears throat> the first thing I kind of want to, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but let's talk about the Grammys, right? A couple of weeks ago, the Grammys happened, and okay. Cardi and Megan performed their smash hit, WAP, right? Mm -hmm. To much backlash, I guess because they were scissoring on stage or whatever the case may have you, right? Almost. <laughs> I want to know from you guys, right? 
What do you think about that? And, and in response, Cardi said, you know, you can't keep expecting celebrities to raise your children. I'm going to jump on this one first. Because remember, we had an after the year on this once upon a time. Um, and I think it was me. Was it me, you and Matt? Who did it? It was me, it was me you, her, and Will, I think. Yes, and Will. Her. Huh? Me, you, her. Who's her? <laughs> oh. Hold on, let me get ready. <laughs> me, you, Tavia, and me, Dre, Tavia, and Will. Yes. So we had it after the year, and we discussed this. And uh, it goes back to what I said a while ago with the um, the Charles Barkley thing. Celebrities shouldn't be raising your kids. As a parent, you have a choice to turn on and turn off the TV. You can control what your child watches on TV in, in the immediate setting in front of you or on their phones and everything like that. So as an artist, why should they have to censor themselves for your kids? If the Grammys isn't censoring them, obviously it's not anything going on that's crazy. Like, the Grammys is the biggest award show ever. I don't watch it. Like, like while... How come I only I, listen? I only watch some of the performances now. I only watch but, that performance. I'm not gonna lie to you. But again, hey, Cardi B is right. Stop having celebrities raise your children. Not everybody is a role model. I support everybody from New York. Cardi yeah, is I a role model. Cardi is a role model to her own child and her own child and her own child only. Like, like she's responsible for that. She's not responsible for nobody else's kids. So for pe- people to be jumping on her, oh, it's such tasteless. Don't watch. You don't got to cancel the lady. She's making money off the, off the song, and it's not like, you know, it's not the song's not hurting anybody. The song's not hurting anybody. It's not causing riots. Nobody's burning buildings down. No, nobody's storming capitals over a song. Like, relax. Awesome. <laughs> No, you guys are not going. Um, we're gonna cut to the next segment. Why am I so worried? You're gonna actually like my response, believe it or not. All right, okay. All right. So I know I'm gonna get slack for this, and it is what it is, but like Ted you mentioned, I have two little girls, right? And I don't necessarily filter everything that they listen to, but I know there's a certain thing called clean edit. And I know that they're very innocent. So they'll listen when they listen to mute certain music, they're listening to it because the beat's hot and there's a hook that they can that they can catch on that's that keeps getting played so it get into their brain. Now when I grew up, I know everybody from New York is familiar with um 98.7 Kiss FM. For sure. That was all I was allowed to listen to growing up. Mom did not want me listening to Hot 97. She didn't. It was before this was a Power 105.1. It was only Hot 97 and Kiss up 98.7 Kiss FM and 107.5. WBLS. Yeah. So I was only allowed to listen to to 98.7. I couldn't listen to Hot 97 or nothing. It wasn't until I got nine years old and I bought the Blueprint album from on on Ralph, the bootleg copy. It was ten dollars. That's how I got introduced to rap. That. And my cousin, my, my twin cousin Talita, she she put me on to everything hip hop. The forbidden fruit is always juicier when you can't listen to it. You get what I'm saying? 
So it is what it is. You, I, we're we're far away from the past of li- like looking at these certain celebrities as role models. Because we, I grew up on, and, and I grew up on like Uncle Phil and and Bill Cosby, and look at what they did with Bill Cosby. Look at what's going on, with Bill Cosby. What Bill Cosby the role models himself. Well, you know what I mean. I'm not. No, that's not what I meant. I'm just saying, like your role models are not your role models are not who you think they are. You have to start making certain depictions of who you want to be and who you strive to be for yourself. When you listen to music, it should just be that connection to the certain to certain music as the song portrays to you or how you feel when you listen to the song. It should never be about the artist, and that's what a lot of people get wrong as far as them like glorifying them as role models. Like I could look at I could look at Hove and be like. I want to be like Hov because he's rich, but do I want to be like Hov because he went through what he went through to become rich? You know what I'm saying? There's differences as far as role models. You can't look at certain people and be like, oh, they're this and they're that, so that's my role model. No. It's levels to listen it. to music. Yeah, it's levels to certain things. If you listen to certain music, you got to listen. You got you to gotta depict it how you want to depict it. You can't look at them as like, oh, I'm going to live my life based off this song. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just, it's growth. I think we got to stop looking at certain things and reacting to it for no reason. It's just a performance. We know what what WAP means, so they depicted it in that in that performance. It is what it is. And Grammys knew what they were getting when they when they signed them on to perform it, and they and they, and, and it, it literally lived up to what they want what they wanted. It's been a buzz since since the performance. That's sure. all it is. It's a buzz. They sure. even mentioned it on CNN. Okay. It's crazy. Let's talk for like four minutes. Pete, do you have something really quick to say? Um, this isn't new, right? This isn't new. We've glorified celebrities. And I think for a long time, especially when we talk about uh, communities of color, um, you know, we talk about how we've always put people who come from our neighborhoods, from our lives and all that other stuff on these extra high pedestals. This is nothing new. Right. Uh, We have been wanting people of color have been wanting to emulate and live the lives of our of celebrities of color for a very, very long time. But Matt makes a great point and Dre makes a great point. Right. It is the job of the parents. And I speak also from my job as an educator, as a teacher. Right. It is the job of the parent to parent their child. If you do not want it, it, it bothers me when Parents tell me all the time, oh, well, my kids are going to listen to what they want to listen to anyway. And my kids this and my kids. No, 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 no. You the parent in this situation. And yes, I'm not telling you to completely block your child off from the world. Right. But you need to also be able to if you're going to let your child be exposed to these things, you need to also explain to them what these things mean, why they can be toxic, why they can be negative and why certain things shouldn't be glorified and followed. Right. You can listen to it. You can understand what it means. You can even like it and enjoy it. But there's a difference between doing that and trying to live the lifestyle or live the song itself in your own life. And that's where I think our children are missing the parental guidance, right? Because you you want your daughter to listen to this song and that song and Megan Thee Stallion and this. But when your daughter's out here talking about she wants to be Megan Thee Stallion or she wants to, they also don't know what a lot of these celebrities are living privately. Right. All of us know what Cardi and Megan and Nikki and all their 
their public, but no, what their public image is. Not everybody knows how Cardi lives privately. Not everybody knows what Megan does in her private life or what Nikki does in her private life, right? And so you have to understand, teach your children at the end of the day, like what you see on TV is not necessarily what is real life. And we have forgotten to teach our children what reality is because we've let reality television be reality for our kids. For sure, for sure. Um, great responses, guys. So I kind of want to take a step and introduce two of my very, very best friends. Um, I have Lulu and Sam here. Uh, we talk every day about stuff like this. And we talk every day about, you know, real life situations, you know, things um, in pop culture and such. And I kind of wanted to give them a chance. I think I loved you guys' responses so much, um, Pete and Matt, to this. Um, I kind of want to hear from Lulu, who's also an educator similar to Pete. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, my take on the Cardi B performance. Yeah. Well, you know how I feel. I feel like although, yes, you are supposed to control what your children are watching, if it is um, rated a certain rating, then it should be displayed as such. So if you're saying the award show is PG or TVG, then it should be PG content or TVG content. And I like I, I had this discussion many times. I feel like the access to um, a lot of sexual content is more open now for uh, children to watch. It's very, it's in basic channels now. So that was my, you know, um, problem with that performance is the fact that this type of content is very um, feasible and you could easily get it, access to it nowadays. So that was really my thing. Like, of course, you're supposed to control what your children watch, but at the end of the day, if you're rating it a certain way, it should be as such. And Sammy, Sammy D, in the place to be. <laughs> yeah, I tried to put it all together real quick for the show. Um, <laughs> I, say, I agree with Lou in that, especially for the parents who are monitoring their kids, what they're watching, at least give them a chance to make an informed decision. You know what I mean? So if you're going to rate it PG and then, per, and then put out um, material that's clearly not PG, then it's not fair. But to what um, Pete said, yeah, it's up to the parent to parent the child. So it's kind of like a mix of both what Lulu and Pete is saying. Like the parent is still in charge of what the kid watches at the end of the day. And all the content in the world that exists can't be for the kids. So you have to decide what you're gonna let your kids watch, but to make the to make it fair for the parents who are doing that work, make sure that they're get, getting the right information, rate it appropriately, so that they can make informed decisions. And that's pretty much all I'm saying. If it's TV 14 and chicks are scissoring, let's let's put that in there. But you can't say that anyone can watch it and then you got that content out in the open. Well, I think one of the one of the arguments that Cardi made was the time, right? And I think this is something that we know from like a, a professional wrestling thing back when, like, you know, you can show a certain level of things after a certain time. It's like after eight, after nine o'clock, it was supposed to be like television guidelines. Are like, well, they the expectation is that kids aren't awake after nine o'clock, so we can we can kind of ramp up what we show, even though it's a PG sure. technically rated show. Listen, when I was growing up, my mother made it, my mother made it uh, a point, right? I did not watch, I was not allowed to watch mad TV until I reached a certain age, right? 
I was not allowed to watch certain things until I reached a certain level of maturity um, to understand it. And I, I think the biggest issue is something that I believe it was uh, Sam that said it about the access to this, right? Um, when we were growing up, we were the kids that always asked, well, what does that mean? And what is that? And why is this? Because we didn't understand it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, thank you, Lulu. It was you. I apologize. Um, you know, we didn't have the access to the knowledge necessarily, right? Nowadays, because of because of the internet, because of social media, because of the access that our the, the generations have nowadays, they'll watch something and know more about it than we did if we were to watch it back when we were growing up. And that can be dangerous as well. And, you know, Eminem kind of like talked about this when he dropped the real Slim Shady. And he says, you expect your kids not to know what this is. They got the Discovery Channel, right? This and this and that. And, and it's even mag to a higher magnitude now. You know, the, the kids know a lot more. And so it is up to, you know, this is also, though, I will say a function of America, right? Where we do not educate our children on certain things because we feel like children need to be held back from learning certain things, right? You I, look, at, I, especially I, sexualized I, content, because you look at, foreign, sure. you know, you talk about foreign nations, you talk about other nations, right? People always bring up the whole idea of like, well, Amsterdam, everything about sexualized this and this and this, yeah. But guess what? They also have one of the lowest teen pregnancy rates in the world. They have one of uh, some of the lowest, um, you know, uh, STD rates in the world. Why? Because children, but children are educated. Young adults, teenagers are educated about these things. And, and, and it's not demonized. It's not demonized uh, when it's taught to kids. So I'm not saying that you got to go out and teach your kids all about everything at the age of 12 and 13. But if you allow your, your kids to understand what it is they're looking at and how to interpret it, without letting them interpret it in their own brain that's not meant to interpret it yet, maybe, maybe, just maybe, better decisions can be made by those kids. Let me tell you something. All right, I see, and I get what everybody's saying. You know what I'm saying? And I do feel like it's a mix. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's up to the parent to control what the kids see, right? It's up to the the, the TV networks to appropriately rate their, their programming, right? But let's get it. Let's get to it as far as from a woman of color perspective, right? Young black women, young women of color are, are hypersexualized at a very young age. You know what I'm saying? They're looked at. They're not allowed to be that innocent child at 10, 11, 12 as they develop into maturity. So they're already facing this scrutiny about their bodies, about because we 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 um we develop a lot faster than white women. You get what I'm saying? That, and that's just a proven fact. So while I, it's, while I feel as if, P, I agree that we should not demonize, you know what I'm saying, different aspects of sexuality as far as TV and different things. I want to know, I want my, my child to know the facts, not the fantasy. You get what I'm saying? There's a difference of knowing the facts and knowing in what they what Cardi and and Megan put out there was a form of art was their form of art was a form of you know Cardi's made a career of being you know the fantasy 
You get what I'm saying? And while I do agree that well, what she says, well, you can't uh, allow celebrities to raise your children. You know what I'm saying? We are living in a different era now that you don't have to, like, I remember growing up, like, you couldn't really get access to an explicit version of a song unless you bought the album. You get what I'm saying? So what we, yeah, which is true. But I definitely, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I, I definitely think that this is something that, you know, is really important for our society. And I feel like women also get flack in ways that men don't, because we also grew up in the era of Luke and different things. You know, we had, you know, older cousins and stuff going to Freaknik. You know what I'm saying? And those are really sexually explicit lyrics. They were derogatory to women. You get what I'm saying? And what? I'm from the dubbing era, you know. Right. You go to parties. You know, saying? Like it's different. It's a different era. It's a different era. Tell you, yeah. you should have saw my face when I heard the whisper song for the first time. The, the explicit version. It was like, wait, do you see my oh? I'm like, all right. And that's the Think about yeah. When we grew up in the 90s and even the early 2000s, there were a lot of songs, especially in hip-hop and R&B, that were hella explicit. But there was, you know, but, you know, that's the funny thing. I remember there were times where I would be in the car or I'd be at a party and I'd hear a song that was hella explicit and my mother would so be like, ah, you, you ain't, no, no, you ain't singing that. You ain't doing this. You ain't. There was that level of like, you can listen to it, but we, we don't want you to understand what that means just yet, right? There were, there were even times when you would, hey, go to your room. You can't watch this. You can't, you can't this. I used to laugh at my parents when they did it, but certain times you'd be watching a movie, your parents would cover your eyes and cover your ears. Certain things are happening, right? But there was that level of, we don't want you exposed to this yet, right? There was a level of control you could have then. Nowadays, you can't have their control, that control, right? Because the because the, the access is there, right? It's everywhere for our for our kids nowadays. But what we need to do now is is educate them. As, as, as I think everybody has said this to some degree, educate them as to as like what Tay said. What's the fantasy? What's the reality? What is this? What is because again, we want to you know our kids want to glamorize Megan, but. How many of our kids are actually talking about the fact that Megan out there getting a college degree? Yeah. Megan is out there starting her own business yeah. and doing the things that she wants. Everybody yeah. want to talk about the knees and everybody want to talk about the dances and everybody want to talk about this, but don't nobody. I don't see not one news outlet, not one media outlet covering the fact that Megan is out there pushing forward for her degrees, pushing forward as a businesswoman and pushing forward as somebody who's trying to further the legacy of of her family when she has talked about the loss of her mother and her grandmother and things like that, right? Um, but the same can be said about Cardi and look at what she's doing for right, women in she, general right. and, that's and politics. It's, it's only the shade room, honestly. Yeah. Right? Because no people glamorize Cardi, yes, but they also glamorize the stripper life. Okay, yeah. let's let's be real honest. Okay, it ain't as glamorous as media wants you to think it is. It's not, not every not every stripper. Is going to live the Cardi life after stripping, right? And I have actually met students that I teach in high school, okay, 
I'm glad I have the middle schoolers, but I do have a relationship with high schoolers in, in, in my building and in other buildings that I've been in that a lot of them seem to think, oh, I'm just going to go do that and then I'm going to go make it big. Well, I'm going to go do that and then I'm going to end up on reality TV and I'm going to do this. And they, they want to live that basketball wives lives. They want to live that real housewives lives. They want to live the bad girls lives. But either A, they don't understand that those decisions don't always lead to those. That is the 0.1% outcome. Or they don't realize that a lot of that is fake. And a lot of that is put on for television. Right? right? And that, that's the whole that's the whole issue is our children think that is something they can aspire to when that is not an aspiration that you can actually reach 99.9% of the time. 100%, 100%. And then when, like what Sam brought up a really good point in the chat that we're, that, you know, Cardi is, is a rarity, but look at what she's using her platform to do, right? During the election season, you get what I'm saying? She was out there pushing for electoral college reform. You know what I'm saying? Getting Gen Z to the polls. A big reason why the 2016 election went the way that it did is because the Gen Z population felt no connection to the candidates that were running. So when you have a, a when you have a celebrity who's a Gen, I think she's Gen Z, well, late millennial, early Gen Z, you know what I'm saying? She appeals to that demographic. You know, explaining things about electoral college and politics in a way that people would understand. You get what I'm saying? Some people just can't hear past the noise. You know, which which kind of sucks in certain capacities. You get what I'm saying? That's not generally, I don't really listen to to those, like I'm not, I can't say that I am a, a big Cardi music fan. I don't listen to all her music and stuff, but as a whole, I, I, no I appreciate what she does with her platform. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the struggle that Megan went to to get to what she did, to get to what she's doing. And, but Pete, I definitely get what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, not every rapper is going to be a platinum selling rapper. Not every girl with a good body is going to be on Love and Hip Hop New York. You know what I'm saying? There's more to life than that. And that's what I feel like we're responsible for in a way. You know, most of the girls in my circle, you know, we have most, we were counting the degrees that we have amongst us you know mo- we we talk about the everyday struggles that we face you know we're everyday heroes you know i feel like it's a parent as a parent you have the responsibility to your children more than anybody else does you get what i'm saying but you know why don't we leave the facts where the facts lie and leave fantasy for when they get older agreed agreed for sure so the next thing I kind of wanted to talk about was, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but the Derek J situation. That no, Jackson. Is Jackson. Jackson. All right. So last weekend, it kind of erupted that, you know, YouTube relationship guru, Derek Jackson was exposed for basically cheating on his wife. Right. So um, a little bit of backstory about nine years ago, um, his social media videos kind of got a lot of play for giving a lot of women, you know, relationship advice, letting them know that certain things are abusive, certain things are are cheating in this. And then a couple of women came out on record and saying that, you know, they were holding these affairs with him over his nine-year marriage, right? What I kind of want to get into is not only just the, 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 the dilemma at hand, 
But what we did see was a lot of backlash against his wife. And I kind of want to get into that a little bit. So, Lulu, you know, I, I pose this question to you first. You know, you're a, you're a young, beautiful married woman, right? Yes, sir. What the, when you heard about the Derek Jackson situation, what were the thoughts that came to your head? Well, honestly, at first I was just like, he's human like everyone else. And he, you know, cheated on his wife. I think the reason why it obviously hits more than just the normal persons because he's giving relationship and bashing men who cheat, right? Oh, you don't need this type of man. Any guy who cheats with you, you should leave him. And yet he didn't practice what he preached, you know? So that was the the real problem here. His wife was never even a thought for me. I just felt bad for her that she has to deal with that in a public, you know, audience for public people to be able to say, hey, you know, this person, what I would have done this and that and bashing her. Like, I didn't understand why we kind of changed the narrative and focus on the wife a lot when like cheating is a choice. All right. If you if you cheat, that's your choice that you have made. Nobody put a gun to your head. So the fact that the wife was even a topic didn't make sense. Now, was it funny with the memes that she did wear a bonnet? Like, I definitely have braids under here, but at least I put like a nice hat. She had a bonnet on. So I get the jokes on that. Yeah. But other than that, I just didn't understand why we were so we were not we. But, you know, what I mean, the public was practically praising the fact that this woman is hurt by this relationship guru. So, like, why did we switch that narrative and now focus so fast. on life? So fast. Less than a, less than a week. So I want to kick this off to Matt. Matt, you've been kind of quiet, right? You are, yeah, you're not usually this quiet. So Matt, what I want to say to you, why do you think that narrative happened? Why do you think that switch happens? Um, one of the main problems that we have as a society, and like like Lulu was saying, it's not we as in us on the panel. It's more like us as in like public consumption we look for a narrative to speak about and to have conversations. So a lot of things that drives attention is negative negativity. So granted he's wrong at, on, on all accounts, everything he did was foul, right? He's not practicing what he preaches. He's dragging every, every, I want to say black men, he's dragging all men down. And 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 saying that they're foul for doing what he did, and what he doesn't real, what he's not doing is he's not taking accountability for himself, right? He's doing that in front of an audience. You got to take care of home first. So you being a public figure and you're doing what you're doing, there was no need for his wife to be on camera next to him. I get he took it as oh it's support. So I'm going to get my following back and the trust back because my wife is here and she's showing support. And all honesty, you threw her into the fire because everybody's going to look at her like, you're stupid. If he lied to us and we're giving him money, what makes you think he's not lying to you on a daily? You know what I'm saying? So that's how that's how they took it. So it's like, all right, if you accept it, we I mean, then what? what how you look just as dumb as he does. For sure. And that's how that goes. It's For not sure. right, 
It's not right, but certain things just need to stay home. Not everything needs to be loving hip-hop, shade room-worthy. Like, there was no need for Boy to get on camera and have his wife there to, to try to explain yourself. You don't owe us an explanation. You owe her an explanation. That should have been in the house. We should have never saw that. Never. And that's just how that goes. I, like, like I love my wife to death. You wouldn't. You, if she's not comfortable being on camera, she's not going to be on camera. That's my respect for her. And I, I represent my wife on a daily. Everywhere I go, everything that I do. When you see Brooklyn Matt, you know that behind him is a queen. So I, I hold myself accountable. Well, not Next behind minute. me, but like on the side of me, like holding me down. So I represent her, and I'm never going to have her out in the streets looking foul. He but didn't here's, But here's my problem, right? So your name is Matt, right? Yes. So the, the thing is, again, everyone has a choice. He didn't force her to go on camera on live. Like, she could have said, no, you made that mistake. You made your bed. Now you lie in it. You know what I'm saying? But she decided to come on live you know, holding his hand all tight and stuff like she couldn't escape or whatever the case was. And she decided to present herself the way she did also, because I don't feel like you need to put a bonnet on if you know that he's going to be talking to, you know, the masses. Like you could have presented yourself how you see fit. Maybe she felt like that was her look and she didn't feel the need to like dress up on camera. Cool. But at the end of the day, you could have said no. First, I thought that, but this was before we started getting all this additional information about how he moves, right? With the people he's involved with. Now we're finding out that he's very controlling, that he's sort of verbally and mentally abusive. So I wonder if she even had the choice now. I don't even know. Exactly. He probably pressured her to do it. It seems like that. That tight grip on her hand, the way they were acting, the whole thing seemed so forced that I knew there was some discomfort there, aside from the subject matter, but just like they seemed to be very loose consent kind of implied in that whole interaction. I don't know so much anymore. Not saying he did that, but I'm saying that it's not looking in it like it's in, in his favor about whether or not that was the case, actually, just because of what has been shared with us from his multiple mistresses between the time it first came out to now. And then the current one who I heard that he may be actually you know, father and her child or some crazy thing oh like that. God. It's like additional information, that out, which means that he lied even in the apology. So now I, I don't know what to believe about him. I just always it. It, goes, it goes back cheating. to he lied to us. Cheating is a choice. Cheating is a narcissistic choice to me. Because you just don't meet somebody and jump in bed with them. Most, well, of, most of the time. Most of the time. You got to Let me tell you something. <laughs> you don't just meet. Well, most of the time, you don't just meet somebody. First of all, if you are in a committed relationship or marriage, right, you shouldn't be in these, putting yourself in these situations if you feel, or if cheating is a deal breaker in your relationship. There are people who have open relationships, who, who do practice, you know, polyamory, polygamy, and stuff like that. So this is just for committed, super relationships that you know are in the traditional concepts of fidelity right when it comes to the whole Derek jackson situation you know he didn't get the flat people were like well look at his wife look at how she looks you can say and i feel like cheating has nothing to do with looks because he he saw her when he married her 
He saw her looks and decided to spend the rest of his life with her. Beyonce got cheated on. You get what I'm saying? So it looks a, a construct. You get what I'm saying? So I feel as if when you hear situations when a man or a person cheats, they either always blame the other person or they blame the 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 um the person who was cheated on. You get what I'm saying? And when we should be rallying, I mean, not for somebody who we don't know, but I know that with my girls, if one of my friends came to me and said, Tavia, you know, my man cheated on me and this and the third, my first aspect is, hey, leave. Because it's a disrespect to your relationship, unless, you know what I'm saying, like, you have some type of counseling, it's never going to, to me, especially when it comes to marriage, it's never going to work. So, Pete, I want to get your point of view. Because even though I know that, you know, once once you're all booed up, you don't answer DMs or, or nothing like that. So At I, all. Yeah, he's just disappearing. Don't um, even know you no more. So here's what's interesting. It needed to be filmed. And, and, and follow me on this. His apology needed to be filmed. Because his apology needed to be a part of his brand. His apology needed to be out there to give people a reason. Oh, no, I cheated. But my wife looked like this. Notice what all the comments have been. Everybody been putting pictures of his wife up saying, oh, look at the way she looked. She dressed up in pantsuits. She dressing like this. She dressing like that. Right? Don't nobody want no girl looking like that. Don't nobody want your wife looking like this, coming in looking like this chick from this show and whatever, whatever. I forget all the comments that are out there. Right? But let's be real honest. He put her on camera looking like that so that other men could look at that and be like, oh. I, I get why he cheated. You know what? I ain't even mad. His wife looked like that. I'd have cheated too, right? That was all constructed. And this is as, as Tay said, it's a n- narcissistic move. He needed that apology <coughs> to be part of his brand, okay? Because think about this. It wasn't just an apology and I'm going to move on with my life. It was an apology. And then he did a re- and then he did a video where he was reacting to his own apology video. Like, what kind of sick, twisted thing is that, right? And you know what? The only hate I got for the wife is you need to leave his behind. That's the only hate I got for you. If you stay with him, come on. You got to make better decisions than that. That is the only negative thought I have about that woman. You need to make better decisions than staying with this man, right? Other than that, I got no hate towards his wife, nothing negative to say towards his wife. He stepped out. He did what he needed. He did what he did, not what he needed to do, but he did what he needed to do for his brand. Because guess what? In a couple of months, he going to come back up, give a relationship advice again. And don't be surprised if his first video coming out is how to repair your relationship. Yes. After yes. How to, how to re- repair the relationship. Yes. At the end of the day, people glorified this dude because he was talking something different at the time. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So he was talking about having men take accountability for, for yeah. the relationships, right. which is something traditionally you don't really hear from another man. You mm-hmm. normally would hear it from your, your homegirls, but you wouldn't hear it from another dude. Saying, hey, you know, if, if your man doesn't treat you the right way, you know what I'm saying? Love, value yourself. Love mm-hmm. yourself. Have that self-love to 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 leave a situation or to repair a situation that no longer suits you. 
You get what I'm saying? That's why. That sounds like think like a man, act like a woman. No, 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 different. It wasn't an attack mode like how Steve Harvey's was more of attack or critical. His was just more kind of like pulling you in, not calling you out. Yeah, he called that. He called that the dudes, though. Yeah, he called that. Steve Harvey's book was very chauvinistic in a way too. And I think that was part of the allure. That was part of the allure. You had a you had a black man talking about men need to be more communicative, need to be more open, need to be more emotional, need to be more compassionate. And these are things that, let's be honest, in the black and Latino communities, we are told not to do as men, right? We are told that's not how you want to be. And even the media makes us seem like that's not what women want. The media makes it seem like the women all want the gangster type and the street boy type. And I want the hard dude. I want the I want the dude that if a dude looks at me wrong, even for one second, is gonna drop hands on somebody. That's what the media makes you want to believe. But women, especially if you're gonna have, let's be real honest. Okay, what I'm gonna go with what Tay said in the very beginning. Okay, there are some dudes out there, and there are and there are some women out there who will meet somebody off the rip, and there's a certain allure to them that will end you up in their bed in some way, some form. But those are not the men that you get into relationships with. The men you get into relationships with are the men you can communicate with, the men that you feel an emotional connection to, the men that make you feel a mental connection to them, right? And those are the things that the media doesn't necessarily put forward as this is what the man needs to have. And that's what he was pushing. And so women loved him because they were like, yes, finally, a black man speaking about the things that I actually want, things in his, you know, but... Not the funny either. thing about it was he knew exactly how to brand himself because he makes himself out to be the sympathetic figure and then turns around and is doing the same dirt. But guess what? Because I guess I, I bet you any amount of money, there are a lot of women out there, especially women of color, who are probably watching that whole video and saying, you know what? It was one mistake. He everybody has a moment of weakness. Let's not let's not judge him on one mistake because he's already sucked them all in into this persona that he's created for himself. And this goes back to what we spoke about in the in the last topic. Okay, there is a difference between what people put up on social media, what people present to, through the media, and who they are in real life. Mm-hmm. And all of that is branding. All of that is perception. People have to put up a certain front on IG. People have to put up a certain front on all these things. And 95% of the time, that is not who they are privately. Real crap. That's why I really, I swear, if we did not have this podcast, I would not be on social media. <laughs> like, it's too, like, that's way too much trying to, I, I can't, I can't sit there and pride myself on being a fraud. Like, I am who I am. Bad enough, I can't curse on this. So it's like, imagine, because like, I know people are watching me. So it's like, you got to you gotta always carry yourself a weird. Way. And it's not it's comfortable. It's yeah. not comfortable. Everybody wants to be big on social media. Everybody wants to be a social media celebrity now. Everybody wants to be an Instagram star, a TikTok star, a this and this. And, 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 and the thing about that is, you got to find your niche, right? And so how am I going to get big? Oh, let me give relationship advice. Let me give beauty advice. Let me do this. Let me do that. Let me make this type of TikTok video. And that's how you're going to blow up. And that's what everybody wants nowadays. That's the new thing is let's be social media celebrities now. But at what at what point as adults, I'm not talking about young teens or whatever, but as adults, you don't take everything literally. 
Like a lot of people just put all their faith into this relationship guru advice when he didn't even study this. Wait, you mean to tell you mean to tell Lulu? You mean to tell me social media ain't real life? That's not real. Don't burst, don't burst my bubble like that. No, everything I see on Instagram is right. real. Everything, right. that people, everything that people tweet is exactly what's going through their head at right. that exact moment. Everything people put on Facebook is real life. I think that's why people are kind of salty too, because his his big, you know, like his descent into shame has like exposed how much they put so much they put way too much faith in him, and now that that basically got exposed, you know, and like they're feeling embarrassed within themselves. So like you know they're turning it onto like, yeah, you, could you, how could you do that? Instead of turning to themselves and be like, damn, I put a lot of faith behind a human man. I don't know. And here's I'm, my thing. Here's my biggest. Said, I want to bring up, I want, listen, and, and, and social media, chop me up if you want to on this one. I really don't care. But I got one gripe. I got one gripe, especially, okay, with social media channels, dead, like when we talk about like black Twitter and all this, we so quick. Be careful. Cancel, black Twitter. No, we so quick. No, we so quick to cancel people that are not of color for stuff that they do. But we won't cancel our own people of color for stuff that they do with the same quickness. And we need to, as Tavia always said, we need to keep the same energy. So the same quickness in which we would cancel people who are not part of our community for stuff that they do sideways, we need to have the same quickness to cancel people who are within our communities for doing sideways things. So do we cancel him for cheating or do we cancel him for the behavior? Yeah, for the psychopath behavior, definitely. The manipulative, narcissistic, American psycho shit. I mean, it's nice to see that there's a black man like kind of put, stepping into that role of American psycho because you never get to see that. But damn, he she got weird really quickly. It got weird. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it got weird. It got weird. I'm going to just be honest. Yeah. Honestly. Like, honestly, no, would like, have to subscribe to him to cancel him. I've never subscribed to him, so I really don't hey. care too much about him, honestly. Yeah. I did, I think, um, like nine years ago, because my first instinct is always, oh, you know, you want to be like supporting a black person who's coming up. But once it started to get too preachy, I got bored and I stopped canceling. I stopped subscribing to him like about like seven years ago. I glad to stop bored with it. He's been around that long. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, he's been in that car making his videos in the car while driving to his mistress' house. Yeah, about not cheating. Well, not that people, how, did, how did people not know that he had a baby? People just took, baby but, in the car. But here's my thing, right? The they problem knew. is they why he should know. They knew. Le, no, le, let me tell you something. The reason why he should be canceled is at the end of the day, he created books. That were bestsellers, apparently, or whatever the case he got was. Books too? What the yes, about this very topic. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm a teacher and I'm teaching my kids a certain thing, but I'm not living by it, yeah, of course I should be canceled. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, like you a hypocrite. You either don't say it because you're doing it, or you practice what you preach. Right? So, like if I'm saying don't do Can drugs, but while I'm doing drugs, I'm a hypocrite. So I should definitely be canceled. But at the end of the day, like he made books. He got a, a big audience. He made mad people probably leave their mans thinking, yo, this is what this person is saying. Meanwhile, his wife stayed. So, you know, what I'm right? saying? it's a lot of different things. You know, what right? I'm saying? Because some people really were banking on this guy who's different, who's giving us a different perspective. Let me 
let me follow through with it. And now he has been cheating on his um, wife with three different women. And, you know, like, you know, having intercourse in their bed, it was just a whole different level of disrespect. He built that an entire empire of being a fraud. Right. But here's my thing. Why can't you guys just learn from experiences? Why you got to follow other people who are human just like us? Like, learn from your experiences. Maybe read, you know, a couple of literature. Yeah, but at the end of the day, the best life lessons come from your own experiences. We read it? People out here reading nowadays? <laughs> I, and, and, but, but you bring you bring it up. You bring it up. Wow. That's, that's the problem. That's the problem, right? We don't we don't have experiences anymore. We live our lives vicariously through social media. Yes, there is so much FOMO in this world. There is so much needing to live through social media, needing to project yourself in a certain way, right? We see all of these like little stupid memes about like how to take a picture like you in the club, but you're not really in the club. How to make it look like you're doing this, but you're not really. Every everything is so carefully curated nowadays because everybody needs to be social media popular, and that's and that's the difference. That's that's the difference nowadays. Is like we need people have this this desire to live vicariously through reality television and through social media instead of living their own lives, experiencing their own lives, and and actually, we speak about this even about non non um, non pop culture stuff. How many people are getting a are getting a medical advice and a scientific advice from people on Facebook who ain't never studied science in their life? Right. I get it from WebMD. Get it from a doctor. I'm not gonna lie. Oops. Look, I came from the I came from the era where Robitussin solved AIDS. I don't want to hear that. Look, <laughs> I go on WebMD. I'm not gonna lie about that. You know what's so crazy? Everybody, when something like when a scandal hits a relationship, right? Everybody gets the smoke. The other woman, I feel that unless you're married, you know what I'm saying, or you're some type of kin, that the other woman should not take blame for what happens in a relationship because she didn't make the vow with you. She, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you and your husband made vows to each other. You get what I'm saying? He broke that vow. She didn't owe you anything unless she knew you. You get what I'm saying? Oh, oh, no, if she knew, they should get heat if they knew. Like, if a yeah. woman knows but, that a man is in a relationship, hold on, pump it, pump it. Go ahead, Tay, go ahead. Right. This is what me and, like, I've always had this discussion with my friends, with my moms, and stuff like that, right? How do you know he's not lying to her just as much as he's lying to his other girlfriend? What I'm talking about girlfriend, boyfriend, not husband, wife. Husband, wife to me is a whole different thing. You get what I'm saying? What makes his lie to her any different than his lie to you? Why? Because you was putting up with his shit longer? Does that make you more, I guess, susceptible to 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 not getting blamed? If anything, when you see, like when you watch that show Cheaters, right? When somebody gets cheated on, the other their, their person jumps on the other person instead of them two getting together and jumping on them. You get what I'm saying? Like, that's just how I feel. Like, if anything, all the scrutiny should go to the person who committed the act. You 100% right. And I've always said that. The only time I feel that there should be any scrutiny in the other direction is if the, if, if the other party is if, no, no, there should, listen, the, 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 the man or the woman who was doing the cheating should always get the smoke. Definitely. Always. Always. What I'm saying though, is if the offending party on the other side of it 
was completely knowledgeable of the fact that this man or this woman was in a relationship and still pursued the fact of cheating with that person, then they should get smoke as well. In every other case, you are- they, they should get a Newport light, not a Newport oh. hundred. Oh, no, you're right. You, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying this. Lying. Lying. People be well. lying in the streets. People be lying in the streets. But I'm not talking about lying. For example, you said earlier, but like you said earlier, for example, that Lulu is a married woman, right? Okay. Yeah. So now let's say I, as a man, am 100% completely knowledgeable about the fact that Lulu is a married woman. And if I actively pursue Lulu to put her in a position to get her to cheat on her significant other, I deserve smoke as well, just but as much. Can I jump in real quick? You can't knock on it. Let me tell you something. Nobody going to keep knocking on the door that don't get answered. Okay? 100%. So you could be all foul trying to step to Lulu, right? But the onus is on Lulu. She yep. made her vows. Correct. You can situation. knock on her door. You can knock on her door as much as you want. You if she don't open it, there ain't nobody. She don't, she don't, if she don't open it, the onus ain't on her. Correct. But but if Pete is pursuing me, he's still in the wrong as well. Because yeah, like he's he said, now he's now he's knowledgeable that I am married and he's still pursuing me over and over again and then proceeds to have sexual re um, relations with me so yeah he's at i don't think obviously he's on the same level as me because i'm the married person but right. he still you should get, get some oh okay. yeah he should you're get right. some for sure you're right. You're right. for sure because he knew he knew he was married uh, all right? and some uh, of his side pieces he talked like to for years and she knew because everyone knew in social media that he was a married man so that's the choice that she made I disagree. Here's why I disagree. Regardless, and Tay, Tay just said it, right? The person who cheated has a choice. If you got the ring on your finger and you know you married, even if the person's pursuing you or not, you got the choice to block the person. Even if that person knows and you told them and they're still going after you, that's still on you to block them. I'm not giving smoke to the person pursuing the married person. I'm not giving any smoke to that person because it takes two to tango. So if you and that other person are vibing with each other and you know that you're married and he knows that you're married, the fault is not on the person that's like, there should be zero smoke on the person that know that, that knows everything. It should be a hundred percent smoke on the person who's doing the act of cheating because you know better. You absolutely know better. If you are the person uh, getting into it, if you're in a relationship, you know not to cheat. That's basic relationship one-on-one. You know not to cheat. Okay, so I do think that the person who is the married party who is expressing, you know, who's cheating, obviously is the person with the most responsibility. I personally don't think that the uh, the um, offending party, like the other third party person, once they're made aware, should be treated like they're, you know, that they have no responsibility. Because once the person has told you, I am married, and they're not in an open relationship, and you're still pursuing that anyway with that knowledge, now you have malicious intent. That's yeah, why I'm saying that's that you have to be held responsible. Now you're acting with malicious intent towards the person that they're cheating on. So why would I not have smoke for somebody who's malicious towards me? That's right. just not yeah, smoke for everybody. Yeah, so that's why I think they should be, you know, held responsible at least for being malicious. 
Well, it's, it's malicious. It. It's malicious to to engage with that person who already knows that that you're that you're in it. So that's why that's I, cool. I. But I do agree with you. What you're saying, me personally, again, if I'm going after somebody who's married, right? Yes, I do agree. Yes, it's out of out of malice intent, but I'm not thinking about your husband or your wife and, or and anything not like that. I'm not, I'm not. And yeah, and you're clearly not thinking about them even either if you're engaging with me. <laughs> like, so I, that's why I that's why I said like I'm not taking it's any smoke. Wrong. It's, it's wrong. wrong. It's wrong. It's but wrong. I'm not taking any smoke because you got to like deal with that at the end of the day. Like, and I feel like it's <laughs> different for people who take vows and people who, like, I feel like, you know, I'm in a committed relationship and, and stuff like that. Like, I would not want to put somebody I'm with through that time. If I love somebody, I'm not going to hurt them in a way that I know that they'll be hurt. You get what I'm saying? Like, the emotional aspect of the cheating, the physical, I think the emotional aspect is just as bad as the physical aspect. Because it's like, you know, do what you want, but you told them that, you know, you know, my feet stink. It's like, you know, people just don't cheat. Like, they, they go in. They'll be like, they'll tell all your business, they'll tell all your, your, your family business and this kind of third. And I feel like, like what Sam is saying now, everybody's responsible for their own, re- own actions and reactions. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're all adults. In, in whatever situation it goes, Derek Jackson too. You know what I'm saying? Like, but like what everybody's saying, like he's made money, bought his house, paid for his mistress gifts, off of hypocritical advice, and that's why he should be canceled. Absolutely. You get what yes. I'm saying? But I want to thank my very, very best friends for joining today. This was very good. I hope that you know more to come. Um, I love you guys very, very much. Thank you for coming on and supporting me. Um, with that being said, um, Matt, mm. thank you for your time. This ends your time on Tavius Tea Time. Goodbye. You can kick him out now. All right, ladies. I'll talk to you in the chat. Bye. Bye. All right. Now we have a couple little sports things to to talk about before we wrap, right? Uh not really. Nope. <laughs> no, no, no. Quick, uh, Pete, you don't got quick hits? I get uh, yeah, yeah, Pete, run through quick hits. Uh uh yeah, run through run through quick hits. Uh, give me a second. While you while you look through your notes, I'm gonna look through <laughs> mine. But yeah, definitely, you know. Quick hits, real quick. All right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Quick Hits for the week of Saturday, week of March 27th, sponsored by Tavia's Tea Time, the newest, newest show as part of uh, the Jabba Tears Network. And well, actually, the, the, the Your Sports Show Network. Your Sports Show Network. Your Sports Show Network. Your Sports Show Network. Brought to you by. Yes. No. Um, so, but really quickly, let's just get into what happened this week mm-hmm. in sports. Starting in the NCAA, uh, Shaka Smart has left Texas and will be joining Marquette as their new head coach. He'll become the first black head coach in Marquette program 
history. Spent the last six seasons at Texas, taking them to three NCAA tournaments, so they were never able to get past the first round with Shaka Smart as their coach. Previously, Shaka Smart made a name for himself as the head coach at VCU when they went to five straight NCAA tournaments and their great 2011 Final Four run. Congratulations to Shaka Smart and Marquette. Going to the NFL. Uh, the Ravens have ended their wide receiver search as they have signed Sammy Watkins to a one-year deal. Sammy Watkins leaving the Bills and going to the Baltimore Ravens. So now Lamar Jackson has a quality wide receiver to throw to outside of Andrews, uh, the tight end. So maybe this can be a lead to a better offensive system for Baltimore. But the big news out of the NFL this week was the monster trade made yesterday. The first trade that we heard about was between San Francisco and Miami. San Francisco traded the traded up to the number three pick in the NFL draft. They traded away their number 12 pick, um, a 2022 first round pick, a 2023 first round pick, and a 2022 third round pick to the Miami Dolphins to move up to number three, meaning that the draft order is now Jacksonville Jaguars number one, New York Jets number two, and the San Francisco 49ers at number three. Miami then had the number 12 pick and their number 18 pick in this year's draft, but quickly jumped back up into the top 10 as they then made a trade with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they traded the number 12 pick this year that they received from San Francisco, the 123rd pick this year, and a first-round pick from 2022 to Philadelphia for the number six pick this year and number 156 this year. So Miami now has the number six and 18 pick in this year's first round. San Francisco now with the number three pick. So I guess the question goes here, does this mean that Jimmy Garoppolo's time in San Francisco is over? Absolutely. It's, 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 it's I think time. So. the swan song is there. Um, and so if you are San Francisco and the draft plays out the way that we expect it to play out with Trevor Lawrence going number one to Jacksonville and likely um, the, uh, the, the BYU quarterback, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head right now, going to the New York Jets, that would leave Justin Fields and um, – I believe uh, Vance as the two remaining quarterbacks. Um, do you take do you take Justin Fields in San Francisco? Do you take the um, the the still having to work with Trey uh, Trey Lance in San Francisco, um, or do we go another direction? Do we go get the wide receiver? Do we go get something else uh, with the number three pick? I think you get a skills position player, like you said. Um, probably get another. Um... Because uh, the quarterback thing is, is is funny because you can find quarterbacks in like the lowest rounds who end up becoming some of the best players ever. So I, I if I'm any team in the third round, if I already have an established quarterback, even though Jimmy Gar um, Garoppolo is not the best quarterback, I would probably go for a skills position to help him out and give him another try this year. And yeah, see what's up. 
Top five quarterbacks this year, as we said, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. That was the BYU quarterback. There we go. Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. And then Mac Jones out of Alabama. So you're expecting Lawrence to go one, possibly um, Wilson to go two, as he's seemingly overtaken Justin Fields as the number two quarterback to the Jets, if the Jets go quarterback. Um, and then San Francisco – could they go Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones? Um, but there are a lot of um, teams that need quarterbacks. You know, and so does this upend everything now with Miami at the number six pick? Um, you know, they could throw everybody into uh, into a little bit of disarray. I believe we have um, – the Falcons pick number four. They need a quarterback. Cincinnati's not going to pick up pick up a quarterback because they have they have their quarterback. Miami probably not getting a quarterback since they have Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, Detroit traded for Jared Goff, so they do they go quarterback. And then you have Carolina at eight, Denver at nine. They need quarterbacks as well. Um. Moving to the NBA and, our, and the biggest story of this week, the NBA trade deadline happened this week, and we saw a lot of big moves. Let's first go to the two buyouts that happened as a result of the NBA trade deadline. As the Cleveland Cavaliers have finally reached a buyout agreement with center Andre Drummond, and the uh, San Antonio Spurs have reached a buyout agreement with LaMarcus Aldridge. Of the two, who do you think is the bigger target in the free agency market. Huh. Drummond or Aldridge? I'm sorry, I had to mute my mic just in case there was a, a weird echo. Um, that was me. Okay, so I'll take Drummond, to be honest with you. Um, I believe that the buyouts made a lot of sense for the, for the time being. Um, what I did want to say was that I don't see some of these buyout moves making a big difference for some of these teams, but it's just interesting to see the type of moves some of these teams are making at this point in the season, right? You know, we've talked about it so many times that we we're, we don't really respect the moves. I don't want to say respect, but we don't really like the moves that like teams like the Nets are making. You get what I'm saying? Like uploading and front loading. So it's just interesting to see what type of competition that they might they might have. Uh, for me, I, be, I, I, I'm in the same boat. Uh, the trades are good for these teams, but none of these teams, probably the only team I think that legitimately, the only two teams that I think legitimately got help during the trade deadline are the Clippers, we're getting Rondo, and the Bulls, we're getting Vucevic. Uh, and being able to keep Laurie marketing. Now, it's not like the Bulls are, are world beaters, but they're a team that can probably upset a team in the playoffs. But, well, here's what's interesting, right? Oh, so, I'm sorry, and I forgot. Miami, they got Victor right, that, well, that's, that was going to be my so, next question. Miami Miami seems to be the, the, the top destination for LaMarcus Aldridge. Do you think that LaMarcus Aldridge takes Miami to another level? If Lamarcus Aldridge is able to spread the floor out for them, yeah, uh, no. it's consistent consistently. Consistency and, is what I was gonna say, but yeah, yeah. If he's able to be consistent, 
um, and ab- they're able to work around him because Miami shoots a high volume of threes, but they're not a bad low post team. So L.A. gives them, a, a, you know, a different look. But I am concerned about, you know, the age factor and then how the back and forth of the game is going to be, even though the, the in the playoffs the game slows down. LaMarcus Aldridge has not been the best defensive big at any stretch in his career. So when you're going against a team like Philly, you're going against a team like like the like the Bucks, you're going against a team like like Brooklyn, you're going against a team like even the Knicks, where they're gonna they're gonna pound the inside of the paint. Lamarcus Aldridge is your <laughs> is your liability. So let's talk about the trade deadline moves, the big trade deadline moves, and I want to get your opinions on who. Which one of these specific moves makes the biggest impact, right? So we saw Rajon Rondo getting traded to the Los Angeles Clippers. Evan Fournier, the shooting guard from the Magic, getting traded to the Celtics, likely becoming the lead scorer of their second unit. Victor Oladipo getting traded to Miami. Nikola Vujicic getting traded to the Chicago Bulls. J.J. Redick getting traded to Dallas. George Hill getting traded to Philly, and Aaron Gordon and JaVale McGee getting traded to Denver. So the question then becomes, all of those teams, Clippers, Celtics, Miami, Bulls, Dallas, Philly, and Denver, all in playoff contention, which one of these additions do you think is the biggest deal for these these possible playoff pushes? Um, I want to say the JaVale, was it JaVale going to the Nuggets? JaVale McGee and Aaron Gordon went both of them to the Nuggets. Okay, so I'm a fan of that move. That's one. I think that that gives the Nuggets a little extra, um, to work with. That is my second favorite, but my first top favorite move would be Rajon to the Clippers, right? I feel as if... Rajon is going to give the Clippers that consistency and that defense that Paul George did not give them last year. You get what I'm saying? I feel like he is a welcomed addition. I'm also, like Matt just said in the comments, I'm also a fan of J.J. Reddick going to Dallas. Does it make them better? I don't know. Does that make them more solid? Maybe. Um... I'm I'm still on the bandwagon with the Clippers in terms of Rondo, and it's not for the regular season stuff. If Rajon Rondo is a proven playoff commodity, and the Clippers needed that, I'm like everybody is like everybody's written off Paul George already, right? Kawhi Leonard did what he had to do. Kawhi wasn't the best last year, but he wasn't Paul George. So now you have a point guard, right? You have a proven point guard who just took the team that you wanted to play in the conference finals in the same building as you to the championship, right? And he knows he's a proven leader. He he led one of the best power forwards ever and one of the best shooters ever in Ray Allen and, and that other guy, number 34. And then he played with probably one of the best players ever, the best, uh, two, two of – some of the best players we have in the league right now with Braun and AD. He knows how to lead a team. He knows how to lead them to victory. And he will – he's another voice in there. Like when they got rid of Trez and got rid of um, Jermichael Green and now Lou Williams, there was nobody talking in the locker room. 
Somebody has to be in the ear of Paul George. Someone has to be in the ear of Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard is not a leader, neither is Paul George. So now they have their leader. Neither of you or neither of you spoke, and I and I and I really want to speak on uh Victor Oladipo to Miami, right? Mm-hmm. You now have Victor Oladipo joining Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, mm-hmm. right? Giving them three proven scorers, giving them three uh 20 point, 25 point a game guys. You can take some of the scoring pressure off of Jimmy Butler, um, which I feel was one of the things that really hampered Miami last year in the finals. Everything had to run through um, Jimmy Butler and Bam, and Bam was already hurt and still kind of recovering when they got to the finals. Um, So was um, Dragic too, right? And so you now give you you don't put so much on the on the shoulders of Tyler Hero and Dragic and all of those secondary players who still need to play their role. And I think the reason why a lot of people aren't paying attention to Miami, besides the fact that they've not had as good of a season this year as they did in the bubble last year, right? I think the uh, a reason why a lot of people are writing off the Victor Oladipo when we're not paying enough attention to it is because a lot of people are still enamored with the Brooklyn Nets. And I get it, right? The Brooklyn Nets have Durant and Harden and Kyrie. Right, and now you have Blake and Joe Harris coming off the bench. But even as a self-proclaimed and a fully proclaimed Nets fan, I still stand by the issue that a all three of those players need to be one hundred percent healthy, and b I still have questions about that bench. I still have questions about when those big three sit. Can the bench keep it up? Now we've seen a lot of blowouts. In the regular season, but we all know in the playoffs, these games get tighter, right? And if you have a very small lead in the playoffs, right? If you have a very small lead in the playoffs and one of these guys gets, God forbid, they get hurt or God forbid they're sitting for an extended amount of time in foul trouble or rest or whatever. Can your second unit really hold that lead? I don't think so. Right. And so the thing we all know, we all have seen what happens when the right team gets hot at the right time. We've seen it, especially in the NBA playoffs. A team could get hot and go on a tear. Okay. We saw this a couple of years ago when the Golden State Warriors, before we knew them like we knew them now, became the first number eight seed to take out a one seed. Right. And, and you know, so we've seen this before. You have Oladipo, you have Butler, you have Hero, you have Drogic, you have Bam. And if you get LaMarcus Aldridge, you have a veteran interior presence now who's not going to play lots of minutes, but will give you quality for the small amount of minutes that he will play. And I think Mm -hmm. that could be very dangerous. Yeah, I I agree with you. Like, at at the beginning of the season, I still – was looking at Miami to be a team to get back regardless of of what was going on in Brooklyn. But it's like you said, um Matt is saying it too. You gotta you gotta get hot consistently to beat the Nets. But Miami has to Miami and Miami and Philly and I I will say the Clippers. They have Miami Philly and the Clippers have the teams to beat Brooklyn. 
Yeah, I think listen, Miami, Miami right now is the number eight seed. They're on a six-game losing streak. They haven't had the greatest year, right? But I think that this move, I don't think they stay in the eight seed, right? You got the Celtics and COVID. Right. The Celtics, the Hawks, the Knicks, and the Hornets are in front of them. You know, I think the Heat on paper are a better team than the Hawks, the Knicks, and even the Hornets. I think the Celtics are much better than a seven-seeded team, okay? And we've seen that the Bucks can be wildly inconsistent, right? You got Philly and you got the Nets up top, right? And so could we see the Heat sneak into the playoffs and go to an Eastern Conference Finals or yeah. go to a really good Eastern Conference semifinal team, right? Um, and he really right in the heat off last year too. And here's another thing. One thing that a lot of people don't give credit to in the playoffs is give me a team that could run a team ragged in a, in a round, right? There is nothing like having that advantage when your opponent has to play a seven game series and you don't. Right. And so if Brooklyn gets stuck in a series where they got to go six, seven games, and the team that they're playing only had to go five games. That's that's going to be that's going to be different, right? Um, a lot of people don't give credit to that. Now, I do want to bring up one last thing before we go. I found it surprising that the Jazz did not make any moves. The Suns did not make any moves. The Lakers did not make any moves. We saw the Mavs make a move. We saw the Nuggets make a move. We saw the Clippers make a move. That is the third seed, the fifth seed, and the seventh seed yeah. right now in in the West. Okay, Two out of three of those teams don't need to make it. They need to make moves. That right. You don't. You don't. You don't. You know. You don't try to reinvent the wheel if you're if you're Utah or or Phoenix. So you you're go. saying the Lakers needed to make a move and did it? Yes, the Lakers needed to make a move and they didn't. And the Kyle Lowry thing we were talking about amongst each other. To me personally, I'm not trading for Kyle Lowry because Kyle Lowry is a rental is, is a rental piece. If I have to trade trade off my future for Kyle Lowry, who's 35 years old, they were yeah, they weren't trying to give up anything. Like I would. Do you think the Lakers have to make the full court press to get Andre Drummond? Yes, to stop him from going to a Brooklyn, to stop him to even going to a Miami. Like to stop him from going to the Bucks, stop him from going anywhere else that's not LA. Like, you have to. They have an open roster spot. Demarcus Cousins is still a free agent. If I'm, and he's healthy. Do you try to run that experiment back again? Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. I mean, Drummond's now a free agent. Everybody was talking about Drummond going to the Nets earlier. I think if the Nets get – here's the thing. I'm going to be really honest. I think if the Lakers or the Nets get Drummond, I ought, almost automatically place them in the finals. If the Nets get Andre Drummond, I think it's a foregone conclusion that the Nets are going to the NBA finals in the East unless the entire wheels fall off of that team. If the Lakers get Andre Drummond, Okay, I already think the Lakers are going to be dangerous because I think the Lakers are smart enough to start resting LeBron and AD for the playoffs. But if you get an Andre Drummond to be insurance for Anthony Davis in the playoffs, I think the Lakers are at the very least 
making the Western Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals, because the only team in the West that I can see beating a full-strength Laker team is the Jazz. For sure. For sure. Because LeBron, Le, LeBron is smart. LeBron knows it ain't about the regular season. Okay, I think this high ankle sprain is the best thing that could have happened to LeBron because it means he's going to get time off, and that boy's going to get healthy. And there is nothing more dangerous, nothing more dangerous than a one hundred percent healthy LeBron James in the playoffs. Playoff LeBron is the real thing. Okay, but- and Anthony Davis. All of this rest that he's had is going to make him even more dangerous if he is completely healthy for the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anthony Davis, he he rests too much. (laughs) He's injured every year, bro. But here's my my question, though, Dre. If you're you're the coach of the other team playing the Lakers and you have a 100% healthy LeBron coming back, where's your defense going to go? LeBron Your James defense is, is going to go on LeBron, which LeBron is going James. to make it easier for Anthony Davis. LeBron James is not going to be a hundred percent though on a high ankle sprain. No, you don't. You, at, at his advanced age, as good as you take care of your body, doesn't matter. A high if ankle I'm the sprain Lakers coming right back now, for the playoffs. No. If I'm the Lakers right now, I'm shutting a, a LeBron James down until the playoffs. Because guess what? They're going to make the playoffs, and I would rather have LeBron James one hundred percent healthy going into the playoffs, then have him come back and play some meaningless end-of-the-season, regular-season games. Gotcha. I would shut LeBron James down right now. Do not come back into the playoffs, start. I get you. I don't think do – you, do you think that if they shut him down, they're going to fall out of the playoffs? Maybe, yeah. maybe they drop yeah. to, like, the five or six seed. But I don't think the Mavericks are overtaking them. The Spurs are definitely not overtaking them. And I don't care how good the Grizzlies, the Warriors, or anybody else tries to get, they're not going to overtake them. So even if they fall between four and seven, they're still in the playoffs. Okay? And right now, if they end at the four seed, they're playing the Nuggets in the first round. And I don't want to play the Nuggets in the first round. I don't. You don't want to play. You don't want to play the Jazz either in the first round, and that's where they're heading. If they, you know, they they they're almost five hundred in this little time between LeBron not being there, and and again, you, we we talk about this all the time. The West Coast is the best coast, bro. Like you know, whatever the, parallel? the top, the top um, seed in the East is like the fifth seed in the West, bro. So, you know what's an interesting parallel, really quickly to bring this up? The Lakers have not been good in LA. The Lakers are only 15 and 10 at home. They're 14 and 7 on the road. But guess what? The Clippers are 15 and 6 in the Staples Center and 15 and 10 on the road. Right. So it's very it, 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 it's odd though. The Clippers are great in LA, crappy on the road. The Lakers are great on the road, but they've been crappy in LA. I, I think here's the thing. You have right now, if the play if the playoffs started right now, Jazz would play San Antonio, Phoenix would play Dallas, the Clippers would play Portland, and the Lakers would play the Nuggets. And I don't like a Lakers Nuggets first round matchup because that is ripe for an upset. I would rather I would rather play um 
I would rather let you know go drop a little bit. I'd rather play the Clippers if I was the Lakers. A one hundred percent healthy Lakers team. I'd rather play the Clippers in the first round. Got you. I got you, Queen. This was fun. <laughs> yes, it was. I also want to say that there was a story trending that this is the last year that the Packers were going to commit to Aaron Rodgers, and I wanted Matt on here for that, but there's a bit <laughs> next time. Thank you for joining the inaugural episode of Tavius Tea Time. I hope it was a splendid afternoon, guys. So, for the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado, for Big Baby, this is your girl, the Queen, signing off.